Good morning, church. All the ladies who are left in here, because there is a, a women's refuel this weekend, so they're on their way back. So uh, y'all have to sing extra loud. To this <laughs> so let's all stand as we start our worship service. Oh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. It was you, Lord, who gave the Savior heart and soul. morning, church. Come on in, Scott. I want to introduce you to Scott Gregory. Everybody say hello. Uh, really neat story uh, that kind of God wove together. It's kind of the only way it happens. But uh, in the tragedy of Scott's mother passing away about uh, three weeks, three weeks ago, nearly four weeks ago now, um, and, and coming to this community for that funeral service, they reached out just kind of with God's hand that we couldn't see, and, and uh, I was asked to do the funeral. Um, it was a blessing to get to know Scott, to get to know his family, who is with us today, and to get to know more about his mother, who at some point in her life had been uh, part of the Churches of Christ and had uh, seen that as part of her life and, and put Christ on in baptism. And she, can you imagine this, a mother saying, Son, you need to be baptized. Moms out here have said things like that as well. And uh, he spoke to me as we prepared for the funeral. You know, I think I've, I want to be baptized. And we have had a conversation and made sure that, and, and it's been neat to hear his uh, thoughts and reflections and his faith as he realizes this isn't just something to do for mom, but it's something I need and something God wants me to do and an obedience that I need to participate in. 
Uh, the other thing, and I have to say, that was really powerful about visiting with you is you are the one who said, you know what, I want my family to be here. I want them to be witnesses to this, and we're inviting you to be witnesses. His family lives in Alvin, and so I don't know that this will be a long-term thing, but we, we really are glad to have this moment to be involved in your life. And uh, so uh, I need to ask you just a couple of questions with sure. that background. Sure. Um, we've talked about who Jesus is. Yes. And I want to know, are you willing to acknowledge that he is the son of God and the, the one that God sent, the only one that can atone for our sins? Yes, I do. And the church says? And I also, we've talked about the fact that, that putting him in baptism says, my life takes a different direction. I'm going to turn from a life about self and I want to, I mean, a life less about self and a life more and more and more about Jesus. We call that making Jesus the ruler or the king or the Lord of our life. Are you ready to make this point a place where you said, more and more every day I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life? Yes, I do. And the church says, and I told him I was going to do this, so don't let me down. As you have confessed, I want you to hear the people of God. Church, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? And church, are you making a daily priority to more and more Jesus being the Lord, the ruler, the director of your life? And I guess one more time, whether, Scott, you become long-term involved in this, there are people that we're going to be a witness to and we want to point them toward Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to ask his family to come on up just so they can be a little bit closer. Uh, and, and see him face-to-face -face as we do this. I'm going to put the microphone down. And, uh, but based on that confession, Scott, again, I'm honored to be in the water with you, but I'm not an actor in this. Right. We're going to baptize you not, not in any way because there's magic in the water, but because we believe God graciously gave Jesus and that we can trust in him, and particularly trust in the reality of the resurrection, not just for today, but for all eternity. And so I'm going to baptize you in the power of the Father, power of the Son, and power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive the forgiveness of sins that is full and complete, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise God, right? Amen. What better way to start your Sunday morning worship service? I can't think of any. Uh, welcome. Uh, those that are here in person, we welcome you and thank you for making the effort to be here. Those we know, a good number are joining us online. We welcome you to the service this morning. We look forward to the day when we're face-to-face -face back in worship with you as well. Uh, 
You know, the uh, worship theme for the last month has been uh, uh, living God's good news. And, you know, what more good news is there than, than someone putting on Christ and baptism and a new birth and a new creature? Uh, if you're like me, I can still, every time a baptism occurs, I go back to my own baptism and, and kind of have a touch point memory there. And just the, just the thrill of the spirit flooding into my soul at that time. I just remember, you know, it made my skin tingle at the time. And, and it does today as well. And I hope that you're experiencing that. And I hope Scott is feeling that right now. And, and I know the whole kingdom of God is rejoicing with Scott this morning. Uh, so the best way to get news about what's happening in the Lake Jackson Church Christ, one of the best ways is uh, the caring and sharing. That's available in the lobby for those that are here in person. Uh, be sure and pick one up and find out what's going on. If you're not here in person or it's more convenient for you, the, uh, go to the church website. A link to the caring and sharing is there, plus all other kinds of good things that are going on in the church. That's ljchurch.org. Don't forget about going there for news. Uh, I don't have one up here to show you, but of course we're doing the contactless communion and giving still. Uh, if you don't have your communion element, early in the service is a good time to go get it. It's on a table right there as you came through the front door is the, is the little communion sets. Uh, and of course the QR code, if you don't, are not already familiar with how to give contactless, you can use that QR code. Um, uh, October, or we have a mission emphasis each month. So October, the, the emphasis is the Eastern European mission. Uh, and there is a combined Bible class coming up Sunday, October 4th, October 24th. Uh, so two weeks from today, the AM Bible class combined will, will be more, a lot more information on the Eastern European mission. So try to make that. Uh, we want to celebrate with the uh, Hargies, uh, uh, baby boy uh, Carson Rudy. Uh, today, I have to tell you, is the last day that, to put gifts in the uh, cradle that's outside for the, for the uh, cradle shower, I guess is what we call that. Uh, but we celebrate with the Hargies, and let's shower them with good gifts, and then let's be a continuing uh, resource for them as they, as they raise uh, baby Carson. Uh, also coming up soon, uh, three weeks out, uh, Sunday, October 31st, uh, there will be a truck or treat. Uh, that'll happen here in the parking lot, generally. Uh, generally, there's a way to host a trunk, and then there's also a way to give candy to those that are hosting trunks so they can disperse that, and then generally there's a good opportunity to invite not just those in this local community that'll see it going on, but invite your friends and your anybody that's got a youth or a child you know, it's a great opportunity for them to come get some candy in a safe and, and, and loving manner. Uh, there'll be more information on that, I'm sure, coming out. Uh, also, uh, Randy mentioned it. Uh, we're a little thin in the crowd today, and we're definitely very thin on the uh, soprano and alto parts. Uh, that's because a good number of women are participating in this ladies' renewal retreat. Uh, my understanding is it has gone very well. Uh, we, we want to be in prayer for them, uh, and I guess the prayer is, is that this investment that they've made in this weekend, that it would bear uh, fruit in their personal lives, in their congregational lives, but it would bear fruit for the kingdom. So let's, let's recognize their investment and let's be in prayer that God will continue to bless and multiply that investment that they've made. Uh, that's all the announcements I had. They haven't come back out yet, so I'm going to let Randy get you another song. 
All right. We're going to go off script a little bit, and we're going to uh, sing Salvation Belongs to Our God, giving uh, David a little bit of time there to bring it up for us. He's probably not happy with me right now. <laughs> Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne, and unto the Lamb be praise and glory, wisdom and thanks, honor and power and strength. and his family to come up and uh, join me here in the center and uh, if any of you would be led to come and surround this family as we pray a prayer of blessing over Scott and, and his folks so we're going to do that. Had it already been a blessing to be here today. Our Father and our God, we want to thank you for what you do in our lives that is greater than anything we could do for ourselves. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you the way that then Jesus turned and gave his life for us and the way that you raised him from the dead and how those realities change everything that we understand about the world and not just where we are but where we're going. Father, I want to lift Scott up to you. 
I want to lift this family up to the, you, these boys, his wife. So thankful that they're here today to be witnesses to this. Father, I want to thank you for the way that you have led him on a path to this day. I want to thank you for the legacy of faith that his mom laid in front of him, the footsteps that uh, she put there. Father, more than that, I want to thank you for what you have been doing in his life to lead him to this day and have done today. And even more, Father, how, what you are going to continue to do for the rest of his days. Father, we pray your protection over him. We pray that you would protect him from the evil one. And we pray that he will fill his life and he will actively engage in the process of letting your spirit be what fills him. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what he does for all of us. Thank you for what he is doing for Scott today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen and Amen. Thank you for being here. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that we can come before your throne and worship you in song and in prayer and lift your name up and honor you as only you deserve, you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. We're so thankful to have you in our lives, Father, and the promises that you have given us. We're so thankful today for Scott and his new birth, Father, and we ask you to bless them to sanctify him, to change him as you're changing all of us more and more into the image of Christ. Father, thank you for Alan and the, the teaching of Romans that we have been going through. Thank you for your words about grace 
and the salvation that you have given us and the love that you encourage us to share with others. Help us to be joyful in our hope, Father. Help us to be patient in affliction and help us to be faithful in our prayer life, Father. Father, ask, we ask that you be with this congregation and the works that are going on in other countries, in Brazil, Dominican Republic, in Haiti, and Father, in the disaster assistance that goes on mostly in the United States here. We ask your blessings on the efforts and the people that are so dearly involved in those works. And Father, especially this month, we ask your blessings on the Eastern European mission work. We know that so many people in those countries uh, are away from you or your word, and we ask that uh, the word can spread and be shared with them more and more. Be with us as a congregation. Help us to grow in love for one another and to be patient and then grow in love for those who cause affliction to us in our lives, Father. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. Help us to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. We believe in a God who is able to bring justice and mercy to all. Set back to answer the 
when looking when looking over uh, the thoughts for uh, this time, you know, I turned to Luke 22, the traditional, uh, you know, one of the traditional places to read from for preparing for the Lord's Supper, where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And I got to reading, and part of verse 19 is what is what stood out to me. At verse 19, and when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it was that last section, do this in remembrance of me. We even have it uh, on our wall as we come into the building up across the, up across the ceiling. Do this in remembrance of me. I got to wondering, what is it I'm supposed to be remembering? It's easy to say, well, you remember the sacrifice, the, the beatings, the, the crucifixion, the raising, uh, him raising from the dead. And while without that, there is no hope for us. But in tying with the lessons that we've been going through over the last few weeks of living a life in Christ... What should I be remembering about Christ's life? What should I be remembering about his characteristics of him here on earth? Of, of his daily walk? And so I used Google. I Googled characteristics of Jesus. And what came up was a couple of lists. One was characteristics of Jesus as a leader. And another one was characteristics of Jesus to emulate. And so I looked at that list and there were ten there. Compassionate, servant, loving, forgiving, committed, prayerful, gentleness, patience, self-control, and humble. And what got me for me, what I had to look at for myself, was the, the saying, you know, the question, what would Jesus do? My typical response to that is, well, making whips and flipping tables isn't out of the realm of possibilities. But that's not how he lived his daily life. That was one instance, one example of people desecrating his father's house. It's not listed anywhere on this list that Google had. And for me to immediately go to whips and flipping of tables is neither compassionate nor is it humble. And it's not any of the rest of the eight in between those two bookends. I have to remember compassion, serving, loving, forgiving, committed, prayerful, gentleness, patience, self-control, and being humble. That's what I have to remember. What do you need to remember? If you would pray with me, please. Father God, we come before you to ask your blessings on this bread, the, the body of your son that was given to us, the body that was hung on the cross, the sacrifice that it was. Ask that you would be with us and helping us remember the things that we should remember and not only remembering them, but living them. Through your son's name we pray, amen.
if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Pray with me again, please. Father God, we ask your blessings on this cup, the fruit of the vine, the blood of your son, the, the blood that washes our sins away, the blood that without, we have no hope. Ask that we examine ourselves and we take this in a manner pleasing in your sight. Through your son's name we pray, amen. Let us be faithful, 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 Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Though we cannot see, we still believe. Let us be faithful, faithful, Lord. Let us be faithful, faithful, And now uh, a prayer for our giving. Again, uh, we won't be passing collection plates, uh, contactless giving, either with the QR code or uh, there's a box in the back if you want to make a, a donation with check or cash that way. But let's pray. Father God, we continually give thanks to you for all of the blessings that you've given us. Father God, we, we know that all, all things come from you. We are merely stewards of those things. We ask that what the gift that we give back to you is used in a manner that brings glory and honor to you through our missions, through our work here in the community. Father God, help us to be wise stewards of your, of your things. Through your son's name we pray, amen. Good morning. Today I will be reading from Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live in peace with everyone. Let's all be standing for the next song. You are exalted, Lord, above all else. We place you in the highest place above all else. Right now we're standing everywhere we go. We place you at the highest place so the world will know. church said no they said be seated but you know beside that <laughs> good to have you here today I'm really thankful that you're here today I know that Craig mentioned it earlier our ladies are at the women's retreat I see a pink shirt here we're really glad to have a few have pink shirts around okay um, I, I, I want to say how much I am I am thankful for the women of this church good I'm glad you can do that even stronger um, what we miss when, when what, what, how much less this church would be without the faithful women serving in so many faithful ways. Amen? Amen. And today, I want to say thank you for the way that there were several of you who stepped up into roles that you don't normally feel, fill. And maybe even into roles that aren't comfortable for you. To cover places where our women are constantly doing wonderful ministry and yet some of you stepped up and by the way some of our men stepped up into neat ways and particularly if you don't know I believe this is true of all our classes except maybe uh, Joanne's class Joanne was here to do her class but the rest of our classes were led by our our youth group in a in a really neat way and I'm really thankful for our youth getting involved in that way so we are blessed people amen 
Um, it is so much part of our routine, right? Driving down the street. Unless, of course, you go to England, where people drive on the, shall we say it together, wrong side of the street, that we might miss how social driving is, particularly when we're in traffic kind of situations. You got to, you're, and by the way, isn't this semi-miraculous that you sit there and depend on this person beside you going 70 miles an hour, that they're going to stay there and you're going to stay here and we're all going to live to tell about it at night driving out in the country. And, and I appreciate that we're no longer just driving 55 miles an hour everywhere we go. Somebody say, some of you aren't old enough to remember the, the gas conservation effort. Mostly it was an effort to spend a lot of money on new speed limit signs. No, never mind. But we all drove 55 everywhere, and I like that we're not doing that anymore. But I, I would say, there are times when I'm out in the country, and that sign on a two-lane divided by a yellow strap, that sign says 75 miles an hour. And it's like, you are crazy. I'm not that faithful in what the guy on the... Let's go two ways. I'm not confident enough what I'm going to do at 75 miles an hour in my lane, let alone what that other person over there is going to do in their lane. You didn't know that Paul was writing to modern-day life in traffic when he said, as far as it's up to you, be sure you live at peace with everyone, did you? It's amazing how the Christian life was never intended to be lived in a bubble. It was always intended to be lived for Christ in the world. You've heard Jesus say, the light, you're, you're the light of the world. The rest of that sentence is, is, if you put a light in a dark room, it stands out. There is always the contrast between where the light is and what surrounds it. You're called... To live in the world in a new and different way. We are all called to live in the world in a new and different way. And when Paul summarizes what our life in Christ is to be like, the transition in this book from what do we believe about what God did through Christ and what do we believe about what God has always been doing in Israel and now in full Israel, grafted in Israel, including all peoples that will respond to Jesus in faith, he summarizes that process of moving from theology to practice, from thought to action. He calls it, be a living sacrifice. That is where chapter 12 starts. And what I need you to understand and keep in your mind, that as long as we move forward in these lessons from this second part of Romans, this, these last four chapters of Romans, Nothing leaves the heading of be a living sacrifice. Yes, you might be right. When we get down to the greetings, we've kind of left what it is to be a sacrifice. But I will probably do my best to even tie the greetings to the churches to the concept that he wants us to understand that we are called to be living sacrifices. And don't lose sight of the way Paul calls us to change our lives. It isn't just a concept of living sacrifice, but it's a twofold process of not being conformed to this world, but being transformed, transformed by God's will. We want our heart to be God's heart. 
If the goal of following Christ is to live, be living sacrifice, then this is the process. You've got to figure out what the world wants, and you've got to resist that. And you've got to figure out what God wants, and you have to welcome it. You have to open your heart to it. It will be a process that will continue, I hope, for me, for the rest of my days. I don't ever intend to retire from this. I don't ever intend to say, I'm old enough that I don't need to worry about it anymore because what I discover is that more and more, I, don't, I haven't and I still don't fully conceive of all the ways that the world is pressing me into its mold. And it is my prayer that on the day I die, before I die, I say, God, transform me a little bit more today into more and more of what you want me to be. And let's also state up front, this is not an easy process. It's always funny to me how we expect following Christ to be sort of somehow or another just kind of unfold in front of us when the process of establishing our forgiveness and establishing the kingdom of God in, on earth in a way that has not changed for 2,000 years was not an easy process. Terry reminded us. The cross was painful. It cost Jesus everything. Why would we think that if we are to be, catch the phraseology here, living sacrifices like Christ, then why would the process for us leaving behind the world and yearning for, striving for, welcoming, pursuing the transformation that God wants us to be, it would be, any, would be easier. It is also very interesting if we look backwards in the text and Callan kind of caught the end of what we were closed out last week and introduced the process, that we're, the scriptures that we're going to be talking about this week. It is really interesting to me that almost the first thing that Paul says, if you're going to leave the world behind and move towards the transformation into the mind of Christ and into God's will, is you've got to find your spiritual gift and get to work in it. I don't think that comes very high on the list when we think about what does God want me to do. We think about do's and don'ts. We think about lots of other things. But he says, no, 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 you know what? God can do more with your ministry than you really realize. Yes, he can bless people and bless the church. But he's got transformative work. The work of the resurrection that he wants to bring into your life by being engaged in ministry in the church and in the world. Note the closing phrases. Again, a list of seven gifts that he kind of outlines. And then, and then this beautiful section, just a few verses where, that Callan read, that idea of to be in Christ is to live out these, and I would say even, gifts. We might separate the idea of spiritual gifts and ministry and the spiritual fruit of living for Christ. But isn't it interesting how that list closes? Here's three different translations. Most of you have NIV, practice hospitality. But understand that the words there are quite emphatic. Don't just practice hospitality, pursue hospitality. How can I be hospitable to other people? And I would say, Paul's message is right here to the Roman church. To those Romans who are seeming to highlight the difference between those who were born Jews and maybe are trying to continue in observance of the law of Moses as they recognize Christ as Savior 
And those who have come to know Christ, not by following the law of Moses, but have come to know Christ outside of that influence. And somehow or another, they're looking down on the Jews. And by the way, the Jews are looking down on the Gentiles. They're both following Christ, but they're choosing to see the other as less, at least. They may be even seeing the other as wrong. And this last phrase, make no mistakes, Paul comes up with these lists on a regular basis. You read every letter, and the list is never the same. Isn't that interesting? You, you kind of get used to hearing phrases, and you think those are the same phrases everywhere. This being hospital, hospitable phrase is one of the most unique of the phrases. In fact, I believe it's the only place that shows up in Paul's literature. It will show up again in 1 Peter. But in Rome, Paul wanted to emphasize, if we're really going to be the body of Christ, if we're really going to let God transform us into what he wants us to be, if we're really going to be living sacrifices, we have got to be people who show hospitality in the body of Christ. This closes, in my opinion, the section from this chapter 12 where Paul is referring specifically to the way we live in relationship with each other inside the body of Christ. Now, the specific application of that is always going to be an individual congregation, but you need to understand, and again, now we can turn to chapter 16. The body of Christ in Rome was made up of at least five home churches. And so in some level, we have to continually kind of change our minds from thinking so much about these walls and thinking more about where else the body of Christ is and how we can live in union with them in hopes of being more and more the witness of Christ. How do we practice hospitality with, let's just say, other churches of Christ in our regional area? But maybe we also need to think about how we practice hospitality with the folks up and down the street that maybe have a different name or a little bit different set of distinctives. How are we going to be hospitable Christians, by the way, with the goal of not making us look so good, but pointing ourselves toward God and what He wants to do in the world? Can somebody say amen? The next section starts in verse 14. And I've picked out a couple of phrases from what uh, is in 14 through 21 that I want to emphasize. First of all, I've already mentioned it. Of course, this is a message specifically about how we drive our cars down the street, right? No. But we have transitioned. And by the way, it is not that the language of getting along in the world, living in the world, living as living sacrifices in the world... Recognizing that in our interactions with people who don't know Christ, that we are figuring out ways not to be conformed, but to be transformed. The idea is that we need to seek peace with people everywhere. And yes, that means we need to be above road rage, which is to me just this most incredible manifestation of the way anger and hatred and animosity have kind of just sifted down in the most basic levels of what we do in life. People are dying because of what happens on the highway, and it's not because of a traffic accident. It's because somebody pulls out a gun and shoots them as if they are worth nothing. 
and that my privilege on the road is the most important thing that there can be. But that's just the simplest little example. It's a painful example. It ought to raise our awareness. And we ought to ask ourselves, how are we as Christians contributing to this sense that somehow or another I can hold irate animosity at someone who disagrees with me or won't do what I want them to do? Paul says, Roman Christians, and I just want you to for a second hear this from the perspective of those who, have, who are Jewish of origin who believe in Christ. Because, if you remember, just a few short years before Paul writes this letter, the Romans kicked the Jews out of Rome. They maybe did the most other than physical persecution, killing them. They said, we don't even want you around and ran them out of town. Can you imagine the kind of deep-seated anger they have towards the people of Rome? They've come back because that's where they can carry on their livelihoods. It may be that there are family businesses there. It may be that they came back in hopes of kind of restoring some family property that's been with them for generations. Whatever reason they came back, they came back. And Paul says, it's your job not to figure out ways you can kind of get the man, constantly kind of digging him, but it is your job to meet those Roman citizens and figure out ways that you can live at peace with them. Now there's always going to be things in the world that, that we can't be conformed into. There are some lines that we're going to draw. And you're going to have to say no to some things that the world would pursue. But the call of God is to find how many things, without violating your commitment to Christ, you can be at peace with the world in. And maybe at its most basic level, that is the idea that I will build friendships. I want to be sure and say, we can always kind of, and, I, and I've even heard preachers who kind of preach this, who, who kind of give witness to this. Yes, you need to make friends with your neighbors so that they can be converts. I can't think of anything more false than what Christ would have us be about than the motivation of I'm going to be your friend so that I convert you. The only reason I'm being your friend is convert you. Yes, can we all say that every person that we interact with, we would love for the end result of that relationship to be coming to know Christ. Amen? But Paul doesn't say here, be at peace with them so that they can come to know. Paul says, I just want you to live at peace. And I think we need to make it a goal to build more friendships with people who don't know Christ. And there are going to be times that that's going to cause us to kind of, ooh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be hanging around this person. We're always wrestling with that idea. If I hang around the wrong person, maybe their yuck spills off on me. The good and powerful cleansing of blood of Jesus' blood in your life can overcome anything the world wants to send your direction. Amen? And so we step into that idea. If it's possible, Paul recognizes it may not always be possible. 
as far as it depends on you. And he recognizes that the world, the world that he lived in, and maybe the world that you live in, more and more, is going to be antagonistic towards your commitment to Jesus Christ. But as much as it is possible, and as it depends on you, you're going to live at peace. As we get to the end of the section, he affirms this powerful statement. Just, I think in many ways, in the same way he uses, be hospitable, be urgent about your hospitality, find new ways to be hospitable to others in Christ. I think he kind of summarizes how we are to be in the world. Don't be overcome by evil. Don't let the world kind of conform you and press you into this idea. And by the way, not about morality, but the idea that I'm going to live with the same attitudes of the world. Of how can I do something to get ahead of you? How can I do something to be better than you? How can I do something to push you down so that I can get up? Don't let that be the way people outside the church see you. Instead, be a person. Jesus would say, be light and salt. Paul says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. And he says it real quickly. Overcome evil, how? By using the enemy's tools against him? No. He says, overcome evil with God's good. Let's keep on reading and we're going to pick up in verse 18 and you can join me in Romans chapter 12. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. Boy, hear those words in a world society. Hear those words in this Jewish experience of being expelled and kind of coming slowly coming back into town. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. He's quoting Deuteronomy there. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. You uh, may associate this with Jesus. And by the way, Jesus kind of is constantly talking about loving your enemy. We'll catch up with that in just a minute. But this is actually a quote from Proverbs. A quote that isn't intended... To say, we're going to hurt them by being nice to them. It might be the idea that we're going to return good for evil. And maybe, just maybe, evil won't win. And in a powerful sort of way, we can warm them to recognizing God's good. Even in a world that is full of evil. Verse 21 that we've already read, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul's quoting, again, both from Deuteronomy, the law, and he's quoting from Proverbs or the wisdom literature. It's interesting that he incorporates both of that. But even more right here, Paul is relying heavily on what has already become traditional statements of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Luke will quote the love your enemy and he will say, Do good to those who hate you. These are not easy words. This is hard. 
This is where the statement of love your neighbor kind of becomes the thing that, oh, I don't have to do that in this situation because they're really mean to me. And I recognize that there are relationships that so often can fall into that almost abusive kind of category. And God is not asking you to sit and, and, and continue to endure abuse. But what God is asking you to do is not return abuse for abuse. And sometimes, folks, this is hard. Because make no mistakes, the world is constantly teaching you. If somebody hits you with a stick, you get a bigger stick and hit them back. Or as the movies will commonly refer to, if they bring a knife to the fight, you better bring a gun to the fight. That is the way the world teaches us. And while God has no interest in you living in an abusive relationship, God does want you to recognize that you are not living in His good by returning any abuse that you receive. By being the person who escalates things with your own level of animosity. Pray for those who persecute you. Do good to those who instead of doing good, hate you. Joseph is a really powerful illustration of this righteous living in the world and loving your enemy. He points to some ideas that are really important for life together. He was sold into slavery. God is the one who raises him up you know, beyond all circumstances to, and I think the picture is to save the world there. But the people who sold him into slavery come back to him, and they don't recognize him. And he has every and absolute ability to inflict on them the same kind of pain that they've inflicted on him. He could have them executed, he could have them thrown, and become slaves. By the way, both are things that they were thinking of, one they were thinking about and one they did. Let's kill him, oh no, let's just sell him into slavery, and he could have done that to them. But that famous quote from Genesis. And by the way, if your life has not yet revealed something like this to you, then I, I encourage you to think about the ways that you can look at some of the adversity you've gone through and possibly even some of the people who have caused that adversity and say, what you intended for evil, God has used for good. And I think that the way that that comes together God will use us among our enemies. God can use you in the world, a world that doesn't appreciate you, a world that doesn't recognize who Christ is and will not recognize what he teaches is true and right. But in reality, even those situations can be used for ultimate good. I want to real quickly go through two sets of applications. First of all, how do we resist conformity in the world? I hope some of this can connect with you in sort of a, a practical way. First of all, and it's already been mentioned in the scripture, and if you haven't got it yet, I just want to say it out loud. If you want to resist conformity, I encourage you, include your enemy in all your prayers. By the way, not just the prayers that you kind of set up and say, I'm going to really pray something big here. But before you get done with that prayer at the table with your family, 
Can you include language that says, I'm going to pray for someone who's opposed to me, who I don't see eye to eye with? Secondly, I want you to look for opportunities in the smallest moments to reverse anger and disgust with mercy. You may see, you know, I, and, and there will be moments when we're going to be called to, to live into mercy when it's big and it's going to make an impression. But I would say to you, you need to look for the littlest moments to turn that switch the other way. Because it is the preparation of the little moments that gets you to the big moments. Amen? Third, stop your evil early or any time. Have you ever caught yourself, oh, I'm about to do something that, that is hurtful to someone else. And maybe you can catch it. If you're anything like me, I'm afraid sometimes the word gets out there. The hurtful word gets out there before I can start it. But what I can promise you is that even if you can't stop it early, if you can stop it any time in the process, God can use that to help you more and more. Amen? And sometimes stopping your evil is going to need to be about saying, I'm sorry. So how do we welcome transformation? And it's that connection right there. Is repentance a large part of your response to God? Is the process of saying, I don't have it right, God. I need you to lead me into more good. I need you to lead me away from what is evil. And I recognize that I don't have it all together and I don't have all the answers. If we're going to be transformed, repentance has got to be part of our vocabulary. Amen? And by the way, repentance in common language is called, I'm sorry. Say it with me real quickly. I'm sorry. You know the really even harder word? I'm wrong. I'm not going to ask you to repeat that. I know it's too difficult. I'll let God work on that. Secondly, to be transformed, to welcome that transformation, examine closely the ways... You engage in overcoming evil. What is the world trying to push you into? What, what is that person at work that you just rub up against like sandpaper all the time? God's saying, i got to overcome this evil, this struggle, this difficulty. But the next half of the sentence, am I overcoming it with good or am I just going to be more evil? I'm going to take you back to traffic real quick. Have you ever been cut off by somebody? Anybody ever been cut off by somebody in traffic? That ever happened? And boy, what's the first thing you want to do? I got an accelerator here, and I am going to figure out how to cut you off at the pass. I'm going to get around you and give you what you deserve. Anybody ever thought that? Or am I the only one? I can promise you, you don't overcome evil by doing more evil. Finally, if we're going to welcome transformation, we need to find more ways to act for peace. And sometimes that's hard. Maybe it's always hard. Because if Satan wants anything, 
He wants us broken. He wants us divided. He wants us angry. And Christ calls us to find ways to bring peace. Living sacrifices are called to take up the cross and follow. And not just follow anybody, but follow Jesus. Who isn't telling us to pick up a cross that he hasn't already picked up. Response to that is our opportunity to say, I want to be more like him. And today you have the opportunity publicly to say, I want to be more like him. To put him on in baptism as God has this morning. To say, I want to be a part of this circle of Christians united in the idea of overcoming evil and not letting evil overcome us by finding peace anywhere we can find peace I want to be a part of this group of people in the process of trying to figure out how to better love my enemy mostly I want to be a part of a group of people who want to be living sacrifices if we can help you in any way, here, now, please come forward during this song. If we can help you online, please use the number that's there on the screen, 979-217-3300, to, to send us your heart and how we can help. That'll start a conversation, and we look forward to participating in it. Take up your cross and follow me. Won't you come as we stand and sing? We camped along the hills of life, Christian soldiers rise, and press the battle ere the night shall fail the glowing skies. Against the foe in hell below, let all our strength be heard. It is the victory we know, fell from the world. It is the victory. Hello, everyone. I appreciate your uh, patience with us, and Oakley's running away. I wanted to introduce you to our newest family member, Blake Owen Moncrief, and uh, his parents. Born about nine days ago, seven pounds, five ounces, 20 inches. And so I've asked Alan to pray for them as they add to their family. Uh, and for all new parents out there, we've got Rudy and, and Capri as well. Um, Blake is going to have a few uh, extra challenges. was born with a cleft lip. We've had this before. Uh, that involves, for the next uh, 10 or 12 weeks, they've made an appliance for his mouth called a NAM. And Christy, or Chris, probably Christy, will have to take it out every 12 hours, clean it, use polygrip. It's kind of like dentures. So <laughs> take it out, clean it, put it back in, go to the doctor every week, have it readjust it, and then have some surgery. So we're just thankful. One thing I want to ask Alan to pray is to thank God that he has blessed us with the medical knowledge to know how to correct this. And uh, so we're very thankful for that. Some challenges, but it's nothing that can't be overcome. Okay, Alan, if you would, please go ahead. I'm going to have the opportunity to be close here, and I'm going to, if that doesn't bother Blake too much, put my hands there. I would ask you to join in the process of just kind of being together in this prayer of blessing by just kind of reaching out in this direction and, and uh, letting
letting, letting your heart be led this direction as well. Your daughter's name again? Christy. Oakley. That's right. I'm sorry, Oakley, that I didn't remember. That's okay. Our Father and our God, want to thank you very much for this family coming today and for the way that you're using them and, and, and your kingdom to bless people and particularly the way you're using them to bring these precious children into the world. We see them as gifts of God, particularly this morning. We, we lift Blake up to you. We're thankful for this gift and thankful for uh, our opportunity, this family's opportunity to be your love and your blessing, your nurture and your protection in his life and in Oakley's life. Father, we, we recognize these additional challenges. We recognize that it just seems in every challenge we have the opportunity to be more dependent on you and to understand um, how much we need you. We are thankful for the, the way that medicine has advanced and technology has advanced such that we can solve these problems through uh, surgeries and help along that line. But more than that, Father, we, we want to say the way we see your beauty in these children. And we look forward to the way that you'll continue to heal them and the way that you'll continue to, to correct these, these anomalies and that they will continue to be people who can witness, be particularly powerful witnesses to your goodness and your blessing. I want to lift these parents up to you and ask that you would give them an extra measure of your patience and your guidance. Father, I look forward to the way that you're going to be glorified in Oakley's life and Blake's life. We pray all this in uh, the power of Jesus Christ. And we all say, amen and amen. Thank you all for coming today. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Good to have you. Love you. Good morning again, church. Had not been a great day to be here today. From a um, physical birth um, and a spiritual rebirth as well, it's been a, been a fantastic day. Um, Alan, thank you for your message this morning. Really appreciate it on living sacrifice and being transformed. Um, we want to thank all of y'all for joining us here today in person and those online as well for joining with us and continued support financially for our congregation. Alan had mentioned it earlier, still a little bit of my thunder, but me working with the, the children's ministry, I really appreciate um, the teachers that we have in Sunday school on Wednesday night and especially those that uh, jumped in today. The youth group jumped in and helped. There was a number of men did too. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And glad that the, the women are back with us, too. Um, there are some thank you notes that are out on the bulletin board in uh, B Hall. I'd ask you to go make sure that you do go see those. But I do have one to read here today that I received. And it's so great to have Mary Lou back in, in uh, church with us and Vic as well today. So let me read this from, from Vic and Mary Lou. We want to thank and praise God for all our brothers and sisters in Christ at the Lake Jackson Church of Christ. For all their love, prayers, and help during Mary Lou's um, sickness. Your food visits, phone calls were most encouraging and appreciated. So, very good. We appreciate that and great, glad, glad to see you all back here today. Do you want to continue to uh, promote our Wednesday um, updates or midweek updates? Alan does a fantastic job of providing those updates for us. A lot of things in there of events that are occurring, um, things that are upcoming, and prayer requests as well. So, please encourage you to 
um, to, to get those texts and make sure that you're looking at those. If you don't get the text, you can look at those online as well. Also like to encourage you to please um, sign up for life groups. Um, there are many different life groups that are meeting at different times throughout the week. You can go online and you can get the more information on those. So um, please sign up the, um, for those and then um, ask a, a friend about those groups as well. We're still in our deacon identification um, process here. And I want to bring up the, the names of those five deacons that have been uh, nominated. It's DJ Eisenhart, Randy Fry, Jeff Humberson, Rudy Argy, and um, George Belize. And do remind you that the examination period ends this Friday, October 15th. And with that, um, what we do ask that if you have a concern, please go to that, uh, that nominee to discuss it directly. Uh, if you still feel like you have an open issue with that, go ahead and uh, provide uh, the, in writing to the elders your concern with that. But we'd ask you to keep that in your prayers as we go forward as well. The additional dates coming up, um, our examination ends this Friday, as I mentioned. The final candidates will be announced on uh, next Sunday. Then we'll do installation of deacons the following Sunday, and then there will be a ministry leader deacon workshop on the 14th of November. So please keep those um, dates in mind as well. The church health assessment. Um, you should have received an email last Sunday. If you did not receive that email, and I know that there were some, I got contacted by some this week. If you did not receive that email, please reach out to the office. They will get you that email. I was one that didn't. They got it to me quickly. So make sure that you do reach out to them. If you need assistance and you don't feel comfortable going onto the computer and filling that out, please reach out to the, the office as well or reach out to an elder and deacon and we can bring a computer, we can bring a, um, a tablet or something over to help you with that. So if you don't feel comfortable, let us know. What you sense by that is we want your feedback. Whether you're here in person or you're online, we want your feedback because that feedback helps us understand where we need to go in the future. Okay, so thank you for that. The deadline for that um, getting your feedback in is October 19th. I believe that's a Tuesday, so please be sure and do that. Okay, let's go to our Father in prayer now. Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for opportunity that we have to come together and worship you. We thank you for this, this time that we've had today. Lord, we're so thankful for the, the many things that have happened today with the, the new baby here and with Scott and his new birth. We're, we're so thankful for that. And we pray that you'll continue just to watch over them and bless them. Be with those that aren't able to be with us today. We pray that you'll just watch over them, bless them in whatever way. Um, help heal them. Be with us now as we go through this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand for our closing song. I am a sheep and the Lord.